Hey everyone, and thank you for checking out this week's episode of the Tuesday Special Podcast. Before we jump into the episode, let's kick off with a few sponsors. First being Cabarrus Brewing Company. With me from the start, cabarrusbrewing.com, 329 McGill Avenue, Concord, North Carolina. If you're in the greater Concord area, right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, check them out. It's an awesome brewery, and they're hosting Too Close for Comfort coming up in September which is a cool thing. Steve, Keith, Alan, Chelsea, Tyler, Zach, Evie, David. Like they they let me do so much stuff with them and they support me in all my ventures and I couldn't ask for a better crew to work with. So do me a favor. If you don't live around the Concord area, check them out online at cabarrusbrewing.com. If you do live in the Concord area and you want some amazing craft beer, go to 329 McGill Avenue, check them out. Also 1820 Apparel. Wear1820.com. That's W-E-A-R 1820.com. They got a bunch of awesome apparel, a bunch of logo shirts. They have the official Tuesday special t-shirt available now. Uh, they're getting some hats, I've heard. They're getting some sandals to just just to close out the summer. Uh, there's no telling what they're going to do. They, they sh- continuously shoot me stuff all the time saying what they're doing, what they're looking forward to. Uh, and they're just getting up. It's, it's a kickstart, man. It's they're They're trying to make it. They're trying to create a clothing brand they believe in that preaches a positive message and i like it and we have a good partnership so if you're looking for some cool t-shirts check out 1820 apparel at wear1820.com all right let's get on with the show Hello once again. Hello, hello, hello. Feels like we haven't talked in a while. We haven't. I apologize. Let me start off this conversation with I apologize. I've had a lot going on lately. I got a lot coming up. And uh, yeah, some people know, some people don't. Uh, I'm not, it's not my place to give out the news here on the podcast. I mean, it is, it could be, but I'm not going to. And uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why my name ended up in in that, but uh, some cool opportunities this past week, uh, some cool opportunities coming up. I'm looking forward to it. It's enough about me. This episode is about my guest, one of probably the best managers on the independent circuit in Tommy Thomas. And I know some people, some people that are close to me, some people that know my history, uh, know that me and Tommy don't see eye to eye very often. But, uh, if you listen to the Jason Cade episode, this is what we like to call professionalism. This is me putting our, our professional dislike aside and having a normal conversation like two human beings. In reality, me and Tommy get along pretty well, and I've known Tommy for a long time now. And it's funny because some of these podcast episodes, I'll ask somebody to be on, and we'll talk, we'll start talking, and then we dive into stuff, and then we realize actually how long we've known each other. And uh, it's crazy. And me and Tommy, I don't, I don't even want to put a time on it because I'm not sure exactly how long we know we've known each other but yeah and uh like tom tommy's tommy's actions are questionable at times but he he's gotten so good at what he does and i remember when he first started and we talked we kind of talk about it in the podcast episode but i remember when he first started and it's amazing to see his journey from where he first started to where he is now and i'm and i'm looking forward to seeing where he, what he does in the future but uh but it is a candid interview we talk about some stuff we uh talk junk about Brian, which is something always fun to do. And, uh, yeah, we have fun, man. And, and I really enjoyed the episode. 
Uh, you'll hear people coming in and out. We fit, we recorded this before pure, a pure taping, and those people coming in and out. And if you if if just for some random reason we start talking junk about somebody, it's because they just walk past us or they're staring at us. Uh, you you get the gist whenever you you listen to the podcast episode. But uh, but yeah, it's a fun talk. Uh, you get to see into the mind of Tommy Thomas and what makes him so good at what he does. And I and I appreciated that piece of of the interview. But uh, that's enough of me blabbering. Uh, if you want to know more about my situation, just wait, wait and see. But like once again, this isn't about me. This is about the one and only, the Tommy Thomas. Choose, like, you know the story behind it? Have you no, heard? I don't. Tell me. So, my girlfriend, you met her, Katie, yeah. uh, is like lived in California. So, she's got some kind of weird accent because she traveled around all her childhood. And they make fun of me because when I say Tuesday, I say Tuesday. I cha- I've changed it since. But I've been doing this podcast for a year. So, I've been working on saying Tuesday. So, every time I have to say it in regular conversation, I say Tuesday. Oh. But I, I used to, I mean, I still do sometimes when I slip. Well, like, you're from Alabama, right? No, I'm from North Carolina. I thought you lived in Alabama for a while. My family did. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because, like, for a Southern person, you really don't have, like, the strong Southern accent. Well, I, well, I've got rid of it whenever I started doing podcasts and uh, radio stuff. Well, even when we first met, well, you kind of were... You heard me when Yeah, I've heard you when you're drunk. You yeah. definitely have it then, but, like, normally whenever you're talking to people, it's kind of like the voice that they're hearing now. Like, it's... Yeah, I try to I try to kill off the any accent. Oh. Just in case. Just in case like they're this, like McMahon like this and they're is like my radio voice, ah. and, <laughs> and I'll talk very plain. I mean, you didn't when, want the Jim Ross comparisons yeah, or something like when that. You get, when, you, when I get drunk, I'm like, "Hey y'all, hey, hey, stop that now." <laughs> Speaking of drunk, I mean WrestleCon drunk. That's the that's the oh. funnest version of you drunk. Whenever everything's like kind of done, or like the only thing you have to do is like the next day is like the last few shows for production because like we've already set everything up, and then you're like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna have some fun." Wait, can we oh. cuss on this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and you're like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna have a little bit of fun," and then you while out. What's the, what's the funniest? Without getting me in trouble, what's the funniest Patrick drunk story? Oh, definitely. Where uh, it was me, you, Nick, and Joel. I think it was us four. Like, because I think they came one year with us. Joel did. Joel did. Jeff. It's probably Jeff. Jeff. Okay. So we were all there. And apparently, and this, you were like kind of singlish at the time. This was in between your current and your former. And you were like, hey, I bet I can get more numbers than you. (laughs) <laughs> and, it was, and it was just one of those things like it started off as a joke but then you guys were no, like that was with dutch it was with dutch that's yes. right yeah. or it was no it was, it was either with dutch or mason maddox no definitely not mason maddox because he couldn't drink then because he was still very much a, a toddler that was getting because in trouble <laughs> I, I feel like dallas yeah it was dallas dallas at the ring of honor shows when i was the drunkest i've been yes. ever around anybody that's my favorite story from that. I think I've told on the podcast before. It was me and Excalibur were talking, and we were both just, like, shit-faced. Yes. And, uh, and I was, it didn't I was, help that I they were giving out a lot of free drinks, too. Yeah, and I try <laughs> to keep my fandom down. I mean, I talk, like, I've talked to Excalibur numerous times about how PWG got started, what their continued success, uh, how Dragon does his stuff, and this and that. And uh, we've had good conversations, but 
I was so drunk and no filter that I was just professing my love for PWG <laughs> wrestling. And he was just taking it in so modestly. Just, I, I, I appreciate it, man. I, 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 I mean, I, I'm sure your wrestling promotion is good too. <laughs> just like, just taking it in. And like, and what was funny about it is like right in the middle of the conversation, we both realized what was happening. And we're both just like, all right, dude, I'm going to go over here, okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love him. I mean, I'm so that, happy for him, but the AEW stuff. And I mean, yeah, absolutely. I just wish they'd have him take off his mask. Like you've seen him without the mask. Yeah. He's a good looking kid. He is. Like he, that face should be out there, but he prefers the mask. It's like, uh, it's like whenever Sammy was doing the Generico thing. I was going like, to say, what is your besides? Well, besides Liger, because Liger is so crazy anyway. What is your most insane response, or what was the craziest? The, I'm trying to think of how to say how to word this question. What is the weirdest like face of anybody that's masked? Like when you originally like when you've seen them masked for so long, and then you finally see their face. Got and, you. Uh, and you're like, oh my god, that's what they look like. I'm gonna say the entire Chikara. Oh <laughs> Chikara yeah. Of roster. Yeah, those guys are they look like, like they look like Magic playing Magic the Gathering playing. Yes. Uh, teenage <laughs> like high school seniors. Oh, All they're nerds. All of them. They're awesome people, but they all look, oh. They look, they look like Mike Quackenbush. Yes, they all, maybe that's what, that's how Chikara was started. It was just Quackenbush finding a place for all of his kids to go you, and be at once. Like, I'm going to, oh, I have, I have an analogy, but it gives a spoiler for the boys that I just finished on Amazon Prime. Oh, no, don't, because okay. I'm on, like, episode four right now. Okay, so. I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> like, I just saw the part where they use the baby as a weapon. Yes. Just saw okay. that, the okay. part from the trailer. I just so. finished it this morning. Oh, so it, does it finish strong? Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Oh, to answer your question, my favorite, though, Rey Mysterio, when he took the mask off, then put it back on, because I was thinking, why does he have two masks? Because, uh, like, remember, there was, like, four years think, there where he showed his face, th- yeah. and then he came back, and then they had him back on the mask. Yeah. And now, and nowadays, it's still like, hey, they're trying to take his mask off and show the face. If you just like, Google yeah. WCW if you just 1995, look on the network, yeah, the look on the network. There was literally a four-year run where he wasn't wearing it. So <laughs> even though it's not, like, the weirdest looking without the mask off, it's definitely one of those mask off. Okay, well, he's not wearing the mask. Well, now he's going to put it back on. So I guess he's got two faces. Yeah, I think one one of my the funniest stories was the first time I saw Generico in Richmond, Virginia, at a Ring of Honor show without his mask on. By the way, for those of you that don't know, Patrick and Generico have a strikingly similar appearance. Somewhat, <laughs> he's he's got red hair. I don't. I mean, yeah, if you dyed your hair red and wore like a one of the Kangol caps, you guys would look pretty similar. Maybe. Maybe. Now that you mention it, I've never I've never put two and two together. I mean, you're both tall guys. You both have a certain look about you. Yeah. Uh, and you're both in, like, not the best shape, but clearly not the worst shape. You yeah. guys have the same body That's type. True. It's That's it's very similar. True. Him and generic or uh, Sami Zayn. You think so? Like, could they not be cousins? They could be cousins. Yeah. yeah. Not brothers, cousins. Not brothers, but definitely cousins. Like, same same family lineage. All right, so I'm, I'm sitting here with Tommy Thomas. We got on a phone little rant. Oh, Sal, we haven't even done like the no. introduction. Well, that's, that's the way. That's the way the <laughs> word. That's the way the podcast works. Is you, it starts in general conversation, unlike this one that started with uh, error on the technical part, and then we come back and people blaring music, Brad, in the background while we're trying to record this unlicensed music. Unlicensed. That we don't music. have any rights to. I mean, he thinks I make money off this thing. <laughs> Wait, you can make money doing podcasting? No, absolutely. Oh, not. I was about to say. I was listening to. Do you listen to 
Pritchard's podcast? Occasionally, because it's on like, at the office. They just did their like three-year anniversary episode, and Conrad was talking about how even with them when they first got into it, there was like, there's no money to be made. Yeah. And I was like, if that's like, they, I mean, they do millions of downloads of uh, probably a month now. So I'm sure that they make money, a little bit of money. And but, Conrad's got like 12 podcasts. Yeah. But I'm sure like, I feel, I think, I feel like it's just, it's just a platform that you have to figure out, like selling t-shirts, like doing Patreon, doing this, doing that. Oh, I'll say like he, you have to find other avenues to make money and just use the podcast as a platform to get the word out. See, I think Conrad's been kind of like the Young Bucks, where it's like uh, how when the Young Bucks first came back to the Indies, they like kind of re-revolutionized things, where it was like, oh man, these guys are making money doing merch, and like mm-hmm. that's how they can literally ask for like the cheapest booking fee, and they know they're gonna make their money via the merch sales. And Con- Conrad kind of did that with like the whole Starcast thing, where he's like, I'm gonna find a money to or find a way to make money off a podcast. Yeah, I don't I know. know why I made him into an old black man for my <laughs> accent for Conrad. He's not, but he's yeah. the complete opposite. Yeah, total opposite of an old black man. Have you ever met him? No, several times. I had to work with oh, him never, at the last Starcast. I've never met him. Yeah, he's a uh, he's definitely one of those people where, and I'm not dissing him in any way, but like, where he he's like you on a show day, where okay. it's like when he's at Starcast, he's in the zone. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to have to talk to him unless something has come up to where, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we have to talk about yeah. this. Gotcha. The okay, so we're gonna skip all that and we'll get through. Like, we don't have to talk about wrestling the entire time. Oh, I'm down for whatever, but I, I do want you to share. I don't know that is your story public of how you got into wrestling. Yeah, um, uh, I went to college in order to get a journalism degree so I could work in pro wrestling. Like, what college did you get to? Um, I started off at Appalachian State and I got about three and a half years in. And then I pulled that uh, the guy from Weezer, you know, Rivers, the lead singer, how he yeah. dropped out of Harvard. I kind of dropped out. And instead of going straight into wrestling, I decided to explore and figure out if wrestling was what I really, really, really wanted to do with my life. Like I did other things before this and then was like, all right, uh, let me finish up my degree at a local community college, mm-hmm. get it and then jump right into the business. So, so like, what are what are some of the other things you explored? Um I did a lot with mental health where, like, I worked with, like, the special needs and, like, um, I worked at a place in the mountains of North Carolina right outside of Boone. Uh, I can't say the name of the place for confidentiality reasons, yeah, of course. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I understand that completely. Yeah, it, <laughs> but it was a mental health facility, and mm-hmm. everyone there was either mentally retarded or some kind of mentally challenged or mm-hmm. handicapped. Mm-hmm. And it was full, like, having to change them because a lot of them couldn't use the bathroom properly, yeah. so they had to be put in diapers. Mm-hmm. So, like, some of them knew, like, hey, I have to go to the bathroom. Can you get me here? Yeah. But there's times, yeah. yeah, where they're just like, oh, I already went. So... I tried that. I, uh, you know, I know how to cook, mm-hmm. so I've tried that out. And actually, that's the closest I've come to wrestling, just because you can say whatever you kind of want to in a kitchen, and no one, and the you know, you servers always, you either boo you or cheer yeah, you. Yeah, I was say, you can always chalk it up to just emotions, yeah. trying to get the job done. It's my character, bro. I get. Yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and then finally, and as you've seen, this year was the year that I finally started making money because of the wrestling business even though it's not exactly how i thought it would be but for this year is the first time i can say the wrestling business has paid my bills every bill i've had this year and you know where i work like yes yes. they have it's the wrestling business so and they pay for everything now so it's like man uh, it's something that i'd never thought i'd be able to say 
where it's like I make all of my money because well, of this industry. I feel like this sounds like such a veteran thing to say or somebody that's been in the wrestling business, but I feel like you have to, like, it's unless you're just exceptionally better than everybody. Yeah. Or you're lucky. Yeah. In a sense of somebody that comes out of college and gets a five, like five figure, sorry, six figure, like job right out of the right out of college. Yeah. Unless you're like that lucky, like you have to do a certain amount of time where you make no money and you're Absolutely. And, and, I mean in wrestling it's called paying your dues and other forms of entertainment or business that might be called paying your dues. But I feel like that's necessary to prepare you. Of course. For when you do make money. Yes. Cause like I realize that if um honestly one of the biggest regrets of my career was actually making it to PWX so early on. And it's because I I was, like, maybe about a year in when, like, you guys came calling and all that stuff. And it was, like, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing back then. And I still don't know what I'm doing now. But it's, like, at least now I have a better grasp of it. Yeah, but you're, but, but you're, you're smarter than now than you were then. Well, definitely. Much smarter now. And it's also because partially because of you because you don't. For those of you that don't know, me and Patrick have known each other for quite some time. Yeah. Patrick does not. When it, he's like, Tommy, we can hang out, but you cannot drink as much as you normally do if we're hanging out. You got to kind of keep it professional when you're around me. So it's like, and that's part of the reason why I've kind of matured a little is because you saying things like that where it's like, hey, man, if you're going to be doing shows like this and you're representing our brand and mm-hmm. you're representing all these people who you're associated with, you can't be the biggest asshole in the room or at least not a, the biggest drunk asshole in the room in every room. You kind of got to pull it back. So... I mean, things like that. Well, so I really appreciate that from you, Pat. Well, I, I get, you're welcome, I guess. It's just, it's more along the lines of that, and I'm trying to teach people all the time what I was taught. But it's also along the lines that I don't feel like dealing with drunk assholes all the time. Oh, well, yeah, that too. <laughs> well, and not to mention, like, I'm not trying to toot your horn, but, like, most people don't really get to hear me and Patrick interact that often because, like, the only time we really interact is, like, backstage or via texting. Yeah. So it's, like, like, little things that a lot of guys are like, why are we here so early for call times? Well, it's because if you want to make it to that next level, like the WWE, mm-hmm. AEW, even Impact Wrestling, you have to be there five hours before the show. Yeah. Like, the well, ring also, crew is there at 9 a.m. for a 8 p.m. show. Yeah. It's also, uh, I'm a stickler of not wanting to be rushed right before showtime. Yeah. That drives me absolutely nuts. And you can tell that I get super pissed off when that happens. Yes. And uh, sometimes I take it out on everybody. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I've learned that the earlier we can, like, the earlier we can get people there to set up, like, for setup, we can get everything set up. We know it's set up. We don't have to worry about that. They can go get something to eat, and then we have a smooth day the rest of the day. And if there's any problems, we know that about means, them yeah. five hours beforehand instead of exactly. five minutes beforehand. Exactly. And then... Uh, with the talent thing, it is preparing them for the next step. But it's also like if someone is planning on being here, at, being at call time at 4, the show doesn't start till 7.30. If they run into traffic or any issues there, it gives you about a two- or three-hour window that you can make it here still and still make the show. You know, you should do a seminar on that, right? You should just oh, do like well, a random I mean, seminar, and it's like, hey, guys, I'm going to explain to you exactly why we do some of the things we do. Like the, Well, that's like, just like the – like I was on the phone with somebody this week and who uh, was it? Can we ask? No, Can we ask? <laughs> no. I'll keep that confidential. But uh, like one of their biggest concerns was the contracts. 
And uh, you know this because you signed one of them. Yeah. And I told I told them I said I told them what I tell everybody, and it's the truth: is Brian pushed me to do contracts like for three years before I ever did it. I ever I ever agreed to it. Well, and like the little and side note on that is. Half the boys were pitching for that when they were saying things like, oh, well, if you want us to do this, well, you have to contract us. Yeah. And then, like, half of them kind of, I'm not going to say any names, but some of those guys kind of backtracked on it. The minute it was, hey, yeah. we're going to try to make this official, then you well, guys want to work for us full time, we're going to make this it is, like that. This is, the, this is the problem with perception as opposed to factual information. Is the reason, the main reason that I chose to do contracts, and I wrote them, and I set them up, and I based them off WWN's contracts because I had heard about them, and I had enough people that had signed them to give me some kind of information about how they do it. Yeah, and it's not, it's not, it's declaring them not to work for one promotion, and that's just to save face on their star power for us. Uh, nothing against the owners of that promotion or the bookers of that promotion or Absolutely. the way the promotion is ran. It's just you're you're close enough to affect the star power and draw power of people that we're wanting to invest in. Um, but it's the main reason was to, so when you get a call from ring of honor, WWE or impact wrestling, and they offer you a contract, you don't, and you don't have somebody like Michael from high spots that can read over it and, yeah. and give you advice. You're like you, it's not the first time you've ever seen a contract. Yeah. And that's why when I, when I, when I sat down with the six people that signed them and I went over it with you, like you, you, I can talk to you because yeah. you were one of them. I went over every aspect of it. I went over what everything means. Yep. And and that's like it's not. It's basically saying we're paying you X amount for this year and next year, with or this year and a possibility of next year, if we choose to continue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like that's, it drives me up the wall that, as I mean, it's it's social media in general. Yes. That that perception takes over reality all the time. But it's just like people hear something and they jump to a conclusion. Yeah. Like, oh, that's why they're doing this. No, it is not. Or people like assume things are about them when they have nothing to do with them whatsoever. Yeah. Another thing is, uh, like the Legend Show. People are like, oh, they're just they're just trying to one up everybody by bringing in Liger. No, we did Legend because Liger wanted to wrestle in Charlotte one last time. Yeah. That was the only reason. Because he's only done Charlotte like what four times maybe least, in his whole I mean, career. Yeah. At ma- like max four or five times. Yeah. And they and they called us and they said, "Hey, Liger wants to, would like to do Charlotte. Would you be interested?" And we said, "Oh hell yeah, yeah." Because who would turn that down? Yeah, but but in the percep- per- the perception world of of social media, we booked a bunch of Japanese guys and drew seven hundred people, and we lost our ass. Come on, like my thing. Come is, on, my thing is I really don't care about social media. Like I don't either. I, I care, but like I look at it as one big joke. Anything that anybody posts, I take it with a massive grain of salt. Yeah. Unless it's like something like, oh, so and so died. Oh, yes. okay, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. But like, if unless some- it's informative, factual information about their about like childhood friends or family, exactly, or some people that you care about and you want to know what's the like. What attracted me to social media? I don't know how we got on a social media kick. But what attracted that was me, you. You said yeah. that this is going to be a conversation. So yeah, we conversating. What attracted <laughs> me to social media? at the beginning was it was a way to easily keep up with people that I care about without having to call them every day or, or travel outside the country or outside the state to visit them. You didn't have to wait for the 10 year high school reunion exactly. to see what was going on with people. You could see it right then and there. Exactly. That like, I'll see, I'll see people now just to give an example of like nowadays, I'll see people now and that I went to high school with and they'll be like, listen, your son is the cutest thing on the face of the earth. And it's just like, okay, cool. I don't have to say, guess what? I had a kid. Yeah. He's 10 months old, blah, blah, blah. We skip all that. <laughs> and then 
I post a few pictures of him on my Facebook, and everybody's like, oh, my God, he's the cutest. The only downside about it is whenever you see someone who you haven't seen in a while, you're already up to date with everything. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, so it's hey, what's cover- going on? Oh, wait, I already know. Yeah, I guess there's two sides <laughs> to that that I didn't, I didn't process. <laughs> You can't That's have, true. There's you no can still have coffee with an old friend and things like that, but it's like, you're still up to date. Like, I know what you did before here. Before we even both got here, we both knew each other. We might have just figured out the root <laughs> of why people are on their phones all the time. Yeah, it's just <laughs> Because so they're already up to, up to date on everything. So it's not like, oh, Tommy, how you been? I saw you worked. <laughs> Never mind. I already saw. I know you worked this date and this but, date and this date. Places. That's, that's my thing, which actually, and that's something I've really got to get used to is People like I've started developing kind of a social media following and people Mm -hmm. come up to me who I don't recognize. And I'm like and they're like, hey, Tommy, I can't believe that this happened in your life. And I'm like, wait, how do you know that? (laughs) What's going on? Oh, I forgot. You follow me on social media. You know these things because I put them out there. Like whenever uh, I met Kenny Omega, people were like, hey, man, so we heard you met Kenny Omega. How what was that like? How do you know that? Yeah. Well, you posted a photo of it on your Instagram. Oh, Oh, snap. I didn't. Gotcha. I forgot that it's not like the same 20 <laughs> people that were following me when I first got in versus exactly. now. Exactly. It's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. So for people to know your life and just say things about it, it's like at least maybe like let like bait me into it or something like, yeah, hey. like start like start the conversation off with I saw on social media. Yeah. Thank you. Not that, just like jumping right into, oh, you had a baby. <laughs> like what? No. Well, it's just like uh, I'm the world's worst. I say, well, I don't know. I'm like in the middle now of remembering people that I've met in wrestling. Yeah. And uh, like in some instances, like uh, what's the guy, Phil, the guy that does the stuff for Sammy now? Phil, is it Phil Stamper? Maybe. I've come across like, him. Uh, like I saw the bald guy, yes, uh, the goatee. Yes. Yeah. So or, I saw him at WrestleCon and I've met him before, like numerous times. And I was like, hey, Phil, how are you doing? He's like, hey, Patrick, have we met before? And I was like, yes. And he's like, Okay, and I was like, how do how do I remember him? Like, like it's I don't know. You you had to have some kind of like effect on my brain that I remember yeah. you, or I see like I think he's my friend on social media. I see like pictures of what he posts about social media. But there's some people like uh, like uh, murder, murder. I remember when murder was coming up, and I like I I love murder to death, and. He comes to me and I'd be like, "Hey, Patrick." He's like, "Patrick, I've met you like four times." Yeah, like, last four months. And I was like, "Listen, I'm sorry, man. I'm in my zone. I'm not paying attention." Murder did the know. same thing to me last week, where he was like, <laughs> he looked different from the last time because he shaved his head completely down uh-huh. and has gone fully gray. So the last time I saw him, he had like just a plain black goatee yeah. and like a little bit of fuzz. And he's like, "Hey, Tommy, what's going on?" And I'm like, "Hey, what's up, dude?" And then like I stared at him, I'm like, "Oh, what's up, murder? I'm sorry. Yeah. What's going on, man?" And, and he's the one that I remember because he'd always be like, "Patrick, I've met you. I met you last month and the month before that. Like we talked." And I'm like, "I'm dude, I'm so sorry. Please don't take it to heart." I can never remember. There's this one guy that works for PWX. He's got like a beard. He's kind of a huskier guy. He normally wears a hat. I normally get him confused with you know other people all the time yeah i'm just kidding we have somebody walking past us <laughs> occasionally i can't let things slide and let people walk past <laughs> without saying things about them you got but, a nice hat on <laughs> that is a nice pure hat which is available where where can he where can they find that beautiful pure logo PWX hat pro.com pwxshop.com we are terrible but you can <laughs> get, you can get to the bad. shop listen brad i'm gonna teach you a little something about promoting <laughs> if i if if i send them just to the shop then they're just going to go try to buy something. If I send them to the website to get to the shop, then they can look at all the upcoming events, all the roster, and all this stuff. So it opens up the entire yard as opposed to just a square. P- 
PWXPro.com. Yeah, PWXPro.com. <laughs> and follow us on all social medias. <laughs> Don't ask me what our social media is. Uh, I know PWX Pure is one of them. That's the one I know off the top of my head. <laughs> what, uh, like what, what do you think? I don't want, and I'm not going to turn this to a completely PWX talk. You know, I'll talk about PWX for oh, hours. Yeah, we, that's, that's, I, don't know, I don't know that people <laughs> want to hear that. They hear, they hear me talk about PWX enough. There's actually a rule in the office that we're only allowed to talk about PWX for like a very like small amount of time. Who's that, Mike? Yeah, Michael. That Michael Caleb? put that rule in there because me, Caleb, and Rachel, or Savannah, all just that's and Drake all <laughs> talk about it all day. It's nice. just every time. Oh, I'm just glad somebody's talking about it as much as I have to. Dude, don't don't let anybody do anything stupid. Like if you or Brian or anybody else oh, on the roster does anything, that's Brian all the time. it's automatically like the first thing that's talked about. How many, how many times does my name come up? Uh, at least once a week. And wow. it's well, it's uh, let me rephrase it. It's always the week of a show. Whenever you call up and you're like, hey. We need this, and then oh, yeah. it starts, and then the snowball starts rolling downhill. Of why didn't anybody call earlier? What's going yeah, on? They knew they had a show for two months. How come they're just doing this now? <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'm always the one to. I'm not always the one to bear that news of we listen. We need this. Like that's the only time Brian gets made fun of all the oh, time. Oh yeah, but say, that's because Brian's, Brian's at be. the office like once a week minimum. Well, that's but just it's just the stupid stuff that Brian does. Yes. Which, by the way, I was honestly expecting us just to talk an hour about all the stupid shit Brian's done. (laughs) Just, all right, now let us tell you about this stupid thing that Brian did. We love him to death, but gosh. (laughs) He doesn't learn from his mistakes. Well, because he was one of those people that, like, wasn't in the business before he got into the business, really. But, like, we're we're taking shots at Brian, but... Like, in reality, think about how much better Brian has gotten. Oh, absolutely. He's learned, like, a, like if he was a student, he would have been, like, one of the top-tier trainees. Yeah. That's what that's what's most impressive about him. Is yeah. He's learned. He still makes mistakes, does stupid stuff, and I have to call him out on it all the time. But to his credit, he, uh, he, he instantly analyzes the situation. Yes. And if he's wrong, he'll say, you know what, you're right. I'm sorry. Like, because I wouldn't. I mean, I guess I would do it, but... Like he he used to he, when he gets on you know when he gets on fire about something oh yeah he, he'll, he'll go and go he'll call the whole roster and, yeah he'll call the whole roster up just to complain about this one issue oh you won't believe this no yeah. we already know Brian guess, you posted yeah. about it already yeah he, he's <laughs> just looking for that reaction he want, he need, he needs the reaction to fuel that anger yes <laughs> and he just needs one person to say you know what you're right yeah and you're right and you need to do it and he'll be like. I got rare. I got validation. Oh, like uh, an example was a, I don't want to say the person's name, but there was a time where there was a new Japan show in Charlotte. And then the next night there was one in Nashville. Mm -hmm. So something happened and I'm not going to go into too many details because I don't want to like bury anybody like that, but something happened in which something was left in Charlotte that needed to be in Nashville. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, you and Brian switched throughout the day because, like, it started off where Brian was livid. And then as the day progressed, he casually got calmer because everyone stopped feeding into it. But then you started getting madder because you saw no one was feeding into it, but it was such a big deal. Like, it was like you started progressively getting angrier. To clarify, clarify, I wasn't mad at the individual. I I was kind of mad at the individual. But that was just because of the time. I was mad. Well, no, I was more upset with how it all went down. Yeah. How how it was handled as opposed to how it should have been handled. Like, like the, the agreement that was in place that was agreed upon. Yes. Like could have been, could have been made a completely different way. That's more respectful (laughs) to the whole situation. 
And that's what that's when it starts fueling me because what the one thing that pisses me off the most of anything is when people take advantage of Brian. Yeah, because Brian is very caring. About yes, very people. much so. And he will. And he like the two people besides Mike Bukikio, the two people that I think would do anything for anybody that that they're that's loyal to them are Corky and Brian. Yeah, absolutely. And, Shout and, out to Corky Franks, by yeah, the way. The thing is, is Corky knows when to tell you to fuck off. Yes. <laughs> Brian does not. Yeah. Brian still still holds on to that little bit of hope that you're doing the right thing. Yes. And when I see people taking advantage of him, that's what pisses me off. And I felt like that whole situation was somebody taking advantage of him. Yeah. And uh, knowing that he would do what they asked. Upside is it's just like, and it showed us, hey, we need to double-check venues before we leave and things like that. Yeah, speak it's of like, the devil. Speak, yeah, speak of the devil. Brian has walked into the studio yeah. right now. We were just shitting on you. Yeah, we spent the first 30 minutes of this podcast just shitting on just, you. It's just been terrible talk about you. <laughs> oh, what's he doing? Uh, are you paying us? Yeah, are you going to pay us? Oh, I knew that was coming. Oh, you proud of that? He flipped us both off just so the fans at home know. He yeah. just flipped us both off. We should have filmed this. I'm contemplating <laughs> filming it before. See, yeah. you would have seen Brad walking around with that yeah. fabulous pure hat, yeah. which is available at pwxpro.com. Mm-hmm. This is what happens. So the we'll, we'll wrap up wrestling, Just then just talk about life or whatever else we want to talk about. You know the, my life's wrestling. <laughs> you know that's it. <laughs> what uh, what's what what's one of the things that you're most proud of that you've done in wrestling? Uh, everything. Besides, Honest, besides Cedric Alexander. No, I mean honestly <laughs> everything because like that like Cedric is the biggest gift and curse, and I mean it in the best way because it's like it's such a gift that like he excelled and made it so far and did all this great stuff. But it's also now a curse because everybody thinks, oh, Tommy manages me now, so I'm the next Cedric. And it's like, no, Cedric was a one-of-a-kind talent. He just, like, you knew Cedric. Cedric is still super humble. He's still the most – he – Occasionally, he would let his ego get the best of him, but I for, love that. I love that Cedric. Yes, <laughs> but for the most part, he would keep it in check. It was whenever that he finally let his ego get the best of him and started wiling out. I really wish we had filmed this because <laughs> I wish that everyone had seen the, what I just saw. Oh, I think this would be a different. This wouldn't be a podcast. This would be a porno if they saw what I just saw. That was terrible. Uh, anyway, but like everyone thinks that they're going to be him. And I'm not saying it like, oh, everyone doesn't have the potential to be superstars. Yeah. I'm saying it like they want to be him. And it's like, you can't yeah. be him. Be you. Yeah. I want to produce the next Montana Black, the next TJ Boss, the next Savannah Evans, the next Jason K, the next Zuka King, the next Sadie Lee Moss, all mm-hmm. of them. I want to produce the next them. Not another Cedric. We already yeah. got one. We already have a Tessa. We already have a Cedric. We exactly. already have those people. Exactly. Like they, they'll fill that spot. They're and they're young enough to fill that spot for a long time. Exactly. And like and not to give away any insider things, but like I know good and damn well Cedric's happy where he is. Yeah. He is very very happy where yeah. he is, and he constantly says how happy he is with his job. And that's one of those things that like that's what I wish for all of my clients is that at the end of the day they can all say they're happy with what they're doing. Exactly. That's that's the main thing that I want for all of them is just, hey, we're happy with what we're doing. And that's that's the best feeling in the world, honestly. But uh hanging out with Tessa, that that was a uh, that was also an accomplishment, I guess. <laughs> <What is it? laughs> I still remember a time where uh, you and her got into it and that was in the airport. 
No, oh wait! Tell me was about the it? airport. No. I'm talking about at WrestleCon in California oh, during the production yeah. setup. Yeah, yeah. When you guys wait, what about the airport? I thought I, I thought I'd like said something to her for yelling at you in the airport. Maybe I was after uh, that the uh, same the same weekend. Can can I go into since I guess the statute of limitations is out on this? Oh. I had gotten a Xanax because that was one of my first times on a plane. Yeah. So I don't remember much about the airport because oh, okay. I was like half asleep for most of that day. Yeah. And it was really early in the morning. <laughs> yes. It was very, very bright and early. But uh, yeah, that day I took half of a Xan or a full I Xan. I can't remember if out. I said something to her for yelling at you or if that happened and that built to me and her getting into it. Well, either way, y'all. She quit, she quit PWX after her we got into it. Yes. And that was. <laughs> And the thing is, like, we all love Tessa to death. I do. But, like, there was, like, a time when she was much younger. She was still a naive teenager who was very still mad at the world. And, like, and thank God, because that's what drove her for so, like, Mm -hmm. that's how she made it to where she is now is all that anger. She just started channeling it into wrestling instead of, like, I'm going to do this negative thing and, like, maybe shout at people and things like that. No, she started channeling it all into wrestling. And that's that's another great thing about the wrestling business is, like, if you have any kind of, like, emotional problems like that where it's, like, if you can find a way to channel all of that energy, like, that's why I'm so happy in life is because you guys let me be a dick. Yeah. Everywhere I go, I get to be a dick. So <laughs> anytime I'm angry, I can just take that to whatever microphone you guys give me, and I just go off, and then after that, I go home and I'm ecstatic. I'm in a great mood. Like I don't get stressed out because I've got this industry to let all that anger out. Yeah. This is just like being an actor. Yeah. But you play the same part everywhere you go. Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to change that. From a managerial perspective. I'm trying to change that up by the way. Cause I've been like, I'll send you a couple of them. Like, I, I compare myself to, like, Tupac when, like, how Tupac, like, would write, like, 500. He would yeah. record, like, 500 songs and only release 12. Yeah. That's me with promos. If only you knew how many promos I've recorded and had to delete just to fill up more storage yeah. space. Because, like, I've I've had promos where I've almost sent them to you guys before and been like, hey, I'm doing a complete and totally different character now. Mm-hmm. Where, like, the, the Tommy Thomas thing is dead. Y'all can fucking kill me. Like, we're on a soap opera or some shit. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Tommy was under the ring hiding and one of the boards broke, so now he's no longer with us. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> the Tommy Thomas, uh, 2011 to 2019. But, like, there was one where, like, just there's just been so many of them where I just wanted to try out, but you get to the point where they don't want that. Where like people want the the Tommy Thomas, they want yeah. the mean asshole, brash ass well, black how, guy. How how long have you how long have you built that? Well, since 2011. Yeah. So like they've all like that's what they want now, and I'm like, well, guys, now I've got some other shit that like that's I'd like, like to being, experiment. That's like being an indie band and and working your ass off to get to the main scene. And then when you finally get picked up to the main scene, you want to change your act. Yeah, and it's not even like I want to – it's not that I want to change it. I just feel personally like I've done a lot. Mm-hmm. Like when you really put it to it, I've really accomplished a lot in my career where like I've gotten to be one of the only men who ever worked for Shine Wrestling, to yeah. ever actually be employed by Shine as an on-screen talent that wasn't a ring announcer or a commentator. Yeah. So it's like – Oh man, that's that means something. Or uh, being the first ever Triple Crown manager in PWX history, yeah. mm-hmm. like things like that, where it just makes me want to. Well, they've all they've seen me do all this. Now I want to show that I can do something more. Yeah. 
You build layers. Yeah, like I don't want to just be the one-dimensional, oh, he's just angry, mean Tommy. I want people to look at it and go, oh, if let's say, let's say I go all the way out to California and they're like, hey, well, we want to see if you can try out this, but we don't think you have this because we've seen all your work everywhere else. Oh, shit. Like, I want to be able to say, hey, no, guys, you can have this. You can have this version of me. If Mm -hmm. you guys want me to be funny, I can be funny. You want me to be serious. Like, and you've given me a lot of leeway with a lot of that stuff where you're like, all right, Tommy, just go out and just kind of be whatever. Just be more serious now. Or, like, I remember one show. This stands out in my mind. Whenever we first started the syndicate, you were like, Tommy, if I see you smile for the next three months, I swear I'll fire you. Yeah, because you were like, no, this is this is supposed to be you being like, you're no longer the butt of the joke. Like you're you're the leader of this vendetta. Yeah, against the people that have held you down. Yeah, and then like, so it was like, okay, now I have to be a little bit more serious. But now, now that we have Cade in charge of the group, it's like we get to have a little bit more fun because like the syndicate, like the original was just so dark and brooding and ominous, Mm -hmm. and now I guess. Not to give away too much about the business, but it's not like we're baby faces, but like clearly now we're trying to let all of our personality start to show a little bit more. We're like Montana tries to be kind of funny and boss occasionally smiles. Yeah. And Cade's not just punching children anymore. Yeah. Because well, y'all don't know this. Cade will punch a child. He hasn't done it yet, but he'll do it. He will well, do it. It's, it's trying to revolutionize the business in a sense of don't characterize talent yeah. to healer face or good guy, bad guy. Uh, it's more so you're creating characters like you, like you stated on a television show Yeah, to where they don't do, I think the crowd, even though I think the, the, what's the way I can say it? I, I think that the old school factors that wrestling was built on still work. Yes, absolutely. You just have to work them in a different sense. Well, cause it's like, uh, I, I was studying film for a little while there, and it was like, you look at traditional bad guys from the start of cinema versus now. Like, uh, for the 30s and 40s, your bad guys were like monsters, like Frankenstein and the mummy and things like that. Then you started moving into the Cold War era, where, like, the government was starting to become the bad guy. You had movies like uh, All the President's Men and things Mm -hmm. like that. And then you started getting back into the monsters. And then in the 80s, you had, like, the Cold War Russia. Oh, man, every terrorist is a bad guy. Now it's, unfortunately, in today's society, you see in a lot of movies a lot of Middle Eastern bad guys. And Mm -hmm. as the times have changed, and now today the biggest bad guy is Thanos, who is the most complex character in such a long time. So it's like that evolution of evil that you just have to kind of be in tune with to know, yes, there's always going to be a bad guy, Mm -hmm. but how to play that part of being a bad guy. That's the thing, like... You like see I, the evolution of it. Yeah. It's like I study like psychology and things like in my free time. I read books on psychology and things that make people tick just mm-hmm. so I can be better at this business. Yeah. Like just little things where it's like for a year I wore my facial hair in a certain way because I read an article that most people do not trust people with that type of facial hairstyle. Nice. And it's like the little chin strap Batista joint. Yeah. Or, or like the landing strip type shit where it's like. I read a few articles where it was like, yeah, people, that facial hairstyle is commonly seen as untrustworthy. So I started doing it. 
just for that little tiny thing that yeah. people want to people understand. When, as soon as people see you before you say a word, they hardly don't trust you. Exactly. And that's like, and I honestly wish more people would look at wrestling like that. And where it's like, hey, you guys know that the fans are here to have fun and to be toyed with, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Maybe you guys should start studying how to toy with the fans. Like, well, where people will have the same match in two different areas and expect the exact same response. You can't yeah. have the same match in southern Mississippi that you do in upstate or in uh, New York City, New York. Yeah. The fans down there are not going to enjoy the same things that the fans up there enjoy. You have so, to know your area yeah, and things like that. Know your audience. Yes. They, uh, you made a good point. But, uh, yeah, that's it's we're at a weird place in professional wrestling because we still have enough of the of the old school thinking people, yeah, associated with it, but I think the revolution is coming with the new school people, yes, and I think the more with w w e with w w e s uh success over the last couple of decades, and then the a w success and then like you have, all, like we had Lucha Underground, who presented a whole different style of professional, completely like different. a whole different presentation. I should say of professional wrestling. Yeah, and uh, that others yeah. have tried to imitate now. Like yeah. a lot of the mainstream wrestling products are trying to imitate little aspects of what Lucha Underground well, was it's doing. A, another thing is, and, and I preach this all the time for other promotions. Like, yes, we've had success with PWX. Do I think we're, we're the best? I don't know. I think we're the best at what we do. What is it if that, that we makes do? Sense. We 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 develop, we create an atmosphere and an experience in a live event, and 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 somehow we have talented enough people to somewhat transfer that experience through video. Yeah. But uh, what sells our product the most is the live experience. Yes. And if you if you wanted me to pinpoint what what created that live experience, I have no idea. I think it was the talent that was chosen. I mean, if I had to guess, I would say it was the talents that's been chosen to represent our product, and the in uh, uh, the like trying to be perfect with where we place people. We don't just book people. Yeah, we're not a buddy system booking system. Yeah. Booking, even though some people think we are, we're not. You gotta you gotta earn you that to, right. Yeah, you earn you earn the right to be a part of that company. It's and why whenever I go out to like a new show, I try to send you. All right, these were the best people that yes. I saw on the show. Exactly. Like last week, I sent you a referee mm-hmm. where it was like, hey, no, the best person who I saw was the referee. Yeah, that guy was doing things, and that's what. Uh, and I mean, of course, I, do I think the the production aspect because we we were one of the first people in the Carolinas to jump on the production piece of it. I mean, I'm like not going to put up to put you know lights. that you were one of the first people to jump on it. I'm once again, not trying to toot your horn. It's just like there it was a national TV product on that we were loosely affiliated with when I first got into the company yeah. that had worse production than our production. Yeah. Where it was like, oh, man, you watch theirs and it looks like it was shot in some dimly lit room and you can barely see what's going on. Then you watch the PWX product with the same guys that yeah. were with that company. And it's like, oh, wow, this is like tenfold better. Yeah. And it's. uh I mean, there's there's different aspects, but I don't know. I think it's just organically grew, very similar to like ROH in two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, where like they they just had the right talent, had the right storylines, had the right presentation, and like legitimately, the problem that I have with ROH, and I'm not picking on them because they're not doing well right now, from what I hear. But when I when I filmed like I filmed for ROH from two thousand. Shit, I don't know, like 2007 to 2009. Yeah. 
And no, uh, it was a little bit after that because you were still helping them out whenever I first got in, and I got in in eleven. Okay. You were still well, helping them been, out. It was right. It was right when Sinclair bought them. Yeah, the, like my last show with him was the night that they announced Sinclair had bought them, and uh, it was in Philadelphia at the Armory in Philadelphia. It was their homecoming show, and uh, then I've been to a few Ring of Honor shows in, in the area since then. And like they have completely lost that that atmosphere. Yeah, like the atmosphere that made them amazing. Well, and, and that's like that's my biggest, and that's that's my biggest pet peeve with us is that I feel like if I ever feel like that we're losing we're losing that atmosphere, then we have to re re like redirect the ship. Yeah, just keep, because I think that I th- I mean, it's just like if I I rarely ever go to shows. I rarely watch wrestling outside of PWX. I'm aware. Because, I'm yeah, aware. <laughs> just because it's, I'm so engulfed in it with that. Like, I remember I talked to Jake about this whenever he was on the podcast. I remember when I had asked him, if, did you see this PWG show? Did you? He's like, I don't, I don't watch wrestling. I'm like, oh, he, why? He's like, no, when you live it every day, yep. you're, you're not going to watch it. You're, you're just too much. And I agree. I understand that now. Yeah. Because there's not a day that I don't have to do something for PWX. And it's gotten to the point now where, like, the only time I will watch wrestling is if it's either, A, something I'm involved with, Mm -hmm. B, something that someone who I care and love about is involved with, or C, if everybody and their mom's talking about it. Like, hey, no, you really have to see this. You need to see this, yeah. And it's, uh, but I think, like, even when Brian goes out and he comes back and and I'll say, uh, was it a good show? He'd be like, uh, yeah, it was all right. And I'll say, was it up to our standard? Like, was it? would it be uh, like up to our standards if we put it on? He's like, no. No, of course. And I think that's a big part of the success of what we've done. But I can't. I couldn't teach it. And, and I think success comes from everybody else. And, and the, the whole point of getting into this conversation was everybody trying to be like Lucha Underground, which I even, I even threw out some ideas of doing stuff like Lucha Underground. But what I've always done is I've always picked pieces that I liked out of it and then – added that to our product yeah so not fully tried to be like somebody else and i think any companies that like if we tried to be like ring of honor then we would fail i mean I, we had a lot of stuff i mean whenever we were building this company i tell people all the time there was two promotions that i loved ring of honor and pwg so i took what i loved out of ring of honor which was the, the production aspect to a certain extent and the the like strong style nature of the wrestling yeah and i took pwg which was like the ridiculous booking and the anything can happen style and the high flying hard hitting just crazy crazy action that they have yeah and i combined those and created what became the like the action of pwx you know what i miss pat what i miss evo and you want to know why why because it gave us an alternative here in charlotte it was a place to work and it was also hey you're okay to work here as well because like it was because you guys were in bed with each other at the time oh yeah yeah so it was like all right well if you work for pwx you can work for evo and vice versa type thing so it's like you would get guys that you guys would run two shows over Mm -hmm. the course of a weekend so guys would do like one thing at pwx and then like kyle o'reilly was the one who i remember first i first saw this he did one thing at evo and then the next night was pwx or flip the nights and he did a completely different gimmick at uh the other show where it was like he did the fucking did Sleazy the, Kyle gimmick. He did Sleazy Kyle. They do Sleazy Kyle at Evo? Yeah, I think. No, he did Sleazy, Sleazy Kyle, Kyle at PWX. At PWX and he then he did Joey. regular Kyle at Evo. And it was just like, yeah. man, just like little things like that where like you see uh, Dalton Castle with Shakara. 
where it's like he's mm-hmm. Dalton Castle in ROH. Yeah. Uh, uh, the captain, I can't remember what his name is in Chikara, but he's like a captain sale. I wish we had that. Sorry, we were talking about the good old days, and you no, made me no, think. No, but like, I wish we kind of had that now, where it's like the thing I liked about Evo, which is the thing I like about Pure, is I would never bring in big names. That was my whole thing. Is I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build people like Corey Hollis, Chip Day. Yeah. I was gonna give Jake the opportunity to teach these guys and and mentor these guys. And I was going to allow Caleb the opportunity to test stuff out and try to find himself. Yeah, exactly. Like, we need that place Cedric. where it's, like, yeah. good talent, but at the same time, we don't have to do everything that well, we've then, been doing like, to make what, that name. Like him or not, I had Kirby Mack, yeah. who, I, who I love. And he's controversial, whatever. But, like, I loved Kirby, and he did so much. And he, he's ex- he expressed to me at one point, like, how much he loved doing Evo because he could just say, hey, Patrick, I like this idea. And I'm like, yeah, I like it. Let's do it. Yeah. And it's uh, like the early Trevor Lee, yeah. And being, I can't, I can't remember. Ben something was his texting partner's name. Chiba Kid, who was turned out to be Andrew Everett. Yep. And I took all these guys, like, like, no offense to CWF, I love CWF, but they wrestle a certain style and a certain and a certain look and a certain feel to all their matches. And uh, I would bring in guys like Joe Black. Yeah, I'd bring in these guys, and I'd be like, listen, I just want you to. Tear Which, by the way, now. he's in the best shape of his life yes. right now. Yes. I've, I've seen him. Yeah, like that. Jeez, I'm proud of him. Yeah, like, but the, what what a long way he's come. But yes, yeah. the uh, it was it was a platform, and it was weird because I had I learned so much from that because I had Jake around me yeah. and I had Caleb around me, and we were teaching Cedric, and I had Marcellus King, and, and shout out to Marcellus. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it was it was an incredible learning because I remember, dude, that was. It wasn't the most stressful financially because I was making so much money with my business and I needed to spend it. But it was so, like, I'd, I'd always worry about everything. That's what I don't miss about it. That's why I'm glad Brian has that job now. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's and I would step into those shows completely different than you're supposed to. And I'd be like, listen, I'm going to put on the first match and it's going to be, like, fire. And everybody after that is up to you to top the last match. Yeah, like even and the rules not, for, were different for like not actually in ring, but like kind of like the the pre show rules where it's like, hey, you guys aren't supposed to do this, don't do this. Um, Evo and PWX kind of had two different sets of rules. Where like this is back when Tyshawn was running it, where people mm-hmm. like Tyshawn had his thing that he was like, don't do this, don't do this, don't yeah. do this. And then Patrick, you were kind of like. Well, fuck it. Go out there and just do some. Fun oh well, shit. I mean, <laughs> I remember like funny. If you want to go over some Evo stories, uh, I remember. I think it was the best show in town event, and we were. This was right before my time because I was there for like the last six months. I think of Evo, and we were on like match number four or five, and Zach Quan or Zach Salvation came up, <laughs> came up to me and he goes, "You know what you need? You know what you need? Do you know what you need to name the next show?" And I was like, "What?" He goes. Follow this, because that's what this show is. This is like every match is like I dare you to follow this. Yeah, I dare you to follow this. So the name of the next show was hashtag Follow This, and now that, that was another fun thing about Evo is we come up with the most ridiculous. This is wrestling. Clap, oh, clap, this clap, is clap, wrestling. Clap, 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 <laughs> clap. Uh, the Evo Eight, which was the the my selling point to Brian for X sixteen for yeah. a couple of years before we actually did it. Um, the best show in town. Follow this uh, by any means necessary. Um, 
But we also had some creative matches in that. And that that was kind of like the first one around here that did like the that we did we had the Evo Underground that was the like I I'll, you can pull those up on YouTube now. Yeah. Like Evo Underground that was like uh, I stole that idea from Ring of Honor when they used to do Livewire. <laughs> remember the Ring of Honor Livewire? Yeah. Uh and then like I remember we did one we did one thing with Jake where he was running in his trunks like training for the Man Scout Challenge or something like that. And he was he did something that was like the Man Scout Challenge where if he got pinned he he'd quit. He'd quit Evo. And he and he kept doing it, kept doing it. I don't, I don't, for some reason, I don't remember. But my favorite story, which I've told, I think, to you or some people, was me and Jake were setting up before, it might have been follow this, and the main event was Cedric versus Marcellus for the title. And uh, we were trying to come up with the concept, and Jake gave me so many good ideas in Evo. And Jake goes, you know what? You know what you need to do tomorrow night? And I said, because we were trying to figure out how we could get Marcellus out as champion and not take away from Cedric. Uh, another person that I miss from Evo that I loved, and PWX for that matter, is Joey Sylvia. See, I only br- or I only hung out with him briefly because I think he was leaving as I was coming in. Yeah. The uh, But back to the story, and Jake goes, what if Cedric hits Marcellus tomorrow with a chair in the head and Marcellus fakes a seizure? <laughs> and then Cedric, then it comes across Cedric, like, what did I just do? Like, my hatred calls me, like in a movie, when yeah. somebody find, like when somebody chokes somebody and kills them, yeah. they're like, oh, my God, what did I just do? The anger got to me. Like on the boys. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, what happened? And uh, so we did it, and Jake goes, if, he, if it's done right, you'll hear a pin drop in that place. Yeah. And we did it, and Marcellus, like, does the whole – Quarterback, I know people can't see me. I'm showing Tommy. It's like the T Rex arm. It's the fencing reflex. Yeah. 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 And he's laid back and he starts acting like he's seasoned. And Cedric's in the corner, like, oh my God. Everybody ran out and was checking on Marcellus. And uh, we finally got Marcellus up. Like somebody was holding his neck and all this. I mean, all this stuff. Wait, brother, you mean to tell me that was all a work? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Were you there for this? I've been sending flowers to Marcellus every (laughs) month for the past five years. And uh, (laughs) so the whole, like, all this transpires, and when Marcellus like stands up, he looks at Cedric, smiles, and kicks him in the nuts, and it hits him in the head with a chair and pins him. I was like, dude, one of the best things ever. Yeah. But, but you have two professionals like Marcellus and Cedric. I remember. Uh, Does Marcellus still get in the ring once in a while? Uh, like the last time I, I saw, saw him, he just had his 40th birthday. Oh. I went. We went. We stopped by there on the way back from Raleigh. Oh snap! And, and ate with him and stuff. He's doing good. That's good. Like I Got see him. three freaking kids. Like like we used to talked about earlier, I see him on social media. That's about mm-hmm. it. He hasn't really come out to shows anymore or do anything nah, like he's that. He's family man. Yeah, it's just I one of the, dude. That guy's like a brother to me, man. Yeah, like you guys were in a group together. Yeah, but we but we <laughs> like, we were in tighter because we did Cane Punch together. Yeah, like the comedy music stuff. He, we got him in on that. Wait, so he? Oh yeah, that is right. Because it was originally you, him, it was, it was Nick and Joel. Right? It was originally me, Nick and Joel. And then Joel went to California to do music. That's right. For a few years. And that's when me and Nick started doing it. And then, like, the way that all happened was we were, it was St. Patrick's Day. Also, me and, and Patrick have known each other for quite some time. Yeah, it was St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. And uh, it was like, it was me and my uh, my wife at the time, Marcellus and Brandy, uh, my buddy Mike, you know, Mike that did a few things. Yeah. Nick's brother. Uh, Mike and, and I think his girlfriend. And then a few other people and we went out to a sushi place 
and we started drinking sake. And we got we drank like three or four bottles of sake. And then we at the at my house where we had the pool and everything, we had uh land sharks. Which she's got a fabulous pool. Not anymore. Got, not anymore. Oh, I love that pool. That's what divorce does to you. Yeah. But that pool was fantastic, Pat. Mm-hmm. Like that should be your next goal is to rebuild no, God, that pool. God no, dude. That pool was a pain in the ass. <laughs> but it was so awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> But we uh, we we had land sharks back at the house that we had uh, turned green with food coloring. So we go back there and we just get hammered. And after we get hammered, I was like, "Dude, we need to make a song." And Nick's like, "If you find a, if you buy a beat, I'll write it real quick." So we we bought a, we found a beat online. <laughs> I had a recording studio at my house, so we bought bought a beat online. Nick wrote it in like ten minutes. Nick Nick Clemency, not Nick King, uh, wrote it in like ten minutes, and then we all recorded it. And then we had a radio show, so then we released it on the radio show, and everybody went crazy over it. So then we shot a video, then we got a big response from the video. So then we were like, "We need to make an album." So do we? Do spend, we spent like three months making an album, and then released it. I ordered two hundred fifty copies. We sold all two hundred fifty copies for five dollars. Made my money back. They are then, also available on pwxpro.com. No, I do. I do have. <laughs> I do have all the MP3s, and I also have like four or five, uh, four or five like songs that we never released because we were going to make album number two. And then Nick Nick had a kid. Then Nick Clemency had a kid. And then Nick had another kid. And then Nick Clemency had another kid. And finally, we just like, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. We we still to this day, every time I see Nick King or Marcellus King, he'll say, "Do we need to finish that album?" <laughs> this is in like 2000. Maybe after all the kids are grown up, y'all can this get like together. 2013. <laughs> wait <laughs> till after. Wait till the kids are grown up. You got like, 18 I have, years. I have you graphics. Got it. I have graphics. Maybe on my social media. Of like March 2015, we're gonna release our second album, and it still hasn't come out. Are you still gonna use those graphics when oh, the album yeah. comes out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we all look younger. <laughs> this album cover seems real dated, like it was made in the late 2000s. <laughs> oh, all right, wrestling so stuff. <laughs> we're ra- we're, wrap- we're wrapping up. Do you have anything that you want to say to people that support you? Uh, no one supports me, Patrick. I'm an asshole, remember? My yeah, job is to be the yeah. biggest the, jerk on the planet. You just that's, said you had a social media following. I do, but like that's so people can make fun of me on my social oh, okay. media. Okay. <laughs> so do you have anything to say to people that make fun of you on social media? Um, keep making fun of me. Oh, you know what? Actually, Pat, I do have one thing to say. Okay. This is this is my little soapbox. Uh, you, a long time ago, you one time told me that like occasionally the fans start knowing too much mm-hmm. like they they can be too connected and it makes it almost harder to elicit the response that you would want to elicit mm-hmm. so it's like it drives me up the wall when i'm trying everything in my power to be the biggest piece of shit like i said i study this yeah. i find ways to make people mad at me and then they go yeah <laughs> uh like i did a show once where i grabbed a kid like we had a spot called where i was supposed to grab the wrestler's kid mm-hmm. and hold him in front of me so they wouldn't hit me I grab the kid and the fans lose their fucking minds. And it's like, no, guys, like he's a baby face. I just grabbed his kid. You guys are just happy because you had never seen someone grab a kid before and use him as a shield. No, you're supposed to boo that. That's a uh, that drives me up the fucking wall, Pat. I don't know why, but or I know why. It's because I bust my ass to get people to boo. So the minute they cheer, oh god, I feel like I've done my job terribly. Yeah, I feel like it's like, oh man, you did that wrong because they're all happy that you're out there. So fans, if you're listening to this, just just boo me, please. Yeah, like I mean, I get it. It's not polite to 
to beg for a response from you guys, but just boo me. That way I don't have to feel so self-conscious afterwards when I hear like someone being like, man, Tommy, that was awesome. Just wait till after the show to tell me that. Don't do not do it when I'm out there. Just just boo me like a normal human being supposed to. Then afterwards, come by the merch table and be like, hey, dude, I really liked what you did. It's, it's the equivalent of going to see a movie and the guy, the character or the actor that's playing the villain in the entire movie, you're like, you know what? I know I'm not supposed to like him, but I like this guy. Yeah. Actor, so I think I'm going to be okay with him this time. It's like, like uh, no. Walk, when you walk into a wrestling venue, be ready to have fun, suspend your belief, and if somebody talks shit to you, talk shit back. Yeah. Like, I get it. You might, like, have people that you don't really want to boo, like you enjoy their work. But, you know, like, uh, I was a big fan of Littlefinger on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of him because he was such an evil bad guy. But never once would I go on social media and be like, man, I love Littlefinger. That was fantastic. I can't believe he just set up Ned Stark to die and get his head cut off. How cunning. No. (laughs) I have to be like, no, he's a great actor. That character is fucking fantastic. But you are doing evil fucking shit. If I I see him on an E! Entertainment News interview and it's the actor, I'll love him to death. Yeah. But as long as he looks like Littlefinger and wears the same clothes as Littlefinger, I'm like, he has asked till the day exactly he like i'm a and fan of the character his, when he gets his throat cut loved <laughs> it i will love it loved it i was so sad because i was like man he was such a good bad guy but at the same time it's still like yeah i well, still cheered the, for that's it. the beauty of it is like even you as a, as a wrestling manager if like if, if they just follow if they don't go too far too deep into it they just follow what's going on in front of them whenever you get your comeuppance and somebody punches you in the fucking face then yeah. They're going to cheer because you finally got what you deserve. And a Just lot, like you, me and you cheered when he got his throat cut. Exactly. And, like, a lot of guys don't get that. And that was something you actually taught me where, like, I used to bump in every fucking match for, like, mm-hmm. the first five years. And then eventually you were like, dude, you're not bumping anymore because it takes away from whenever somebody finally does punch you. So the one time that someone does yeah. finally get their hands on you, everybody loses it you as build, opposed to, to it. Yeah, as opposed to, oh, man, Tommy just got his butt beat again. Oh, oh yeah, wow. like, like for three weeks, if you, if you got a four-week feud, for the first week you just keep screwing them, they do nothing. Or yeah. they, they, they don't have the opportunity to do anything. The second week, they you're on the apron, they get they get a swing at you, but you jump off before they can hit you. The third week, they get you in the ring and they have you by your by your t- your tux or your shirt jacket. Yeah, and you're holding you about to beat the shadow, and somebody intervenes. That fourth week, they finally get that punch in. Boom! The fans lose it. Game on. Oh, so can I ask you a question then yeah. before we go? Uh, so, like, not and once again, I don't want to give too much away about the business. Uh, like, what is your creative process when it comes to like storylines and things of that nature? Can we say storylines? Is that like an yeah, acceptable? That's fine. Like, what's your creative process with it? Like, do you like? Because I know me personally, like you've seen it. I'll like write out the whole idea yeah. week by week. I'll list what show it goes on, how it should look in mm-hmm. my mind, and things like. What's your creative like process the, with it? When when finding new talent, it's always. Like, my, my favorite story, even though it didn't pan out, was it was Rise of a Champion, the War Games one. And it was, uh, God, what's his name? Jet Black. Oh, yeah, the six-man ladder, ladder match. match. The yeah. six-man ladder match. The and one I, that started the uh, that quack-quack group that I hate. Yes. <laughs> and he did something. He did. I think he did, like, a drop kick, a drop kick into a backflip. Yeah, yeah. And he stood up and put his arms out and stuck his tongue out. And, went and like, shook his head, kind of like D-Lo. Style. Yeah. 
And it hit me immediately when I saw that, like the fresh prints of PWX. Like, so did you like, like immediately it's, it's start always, like writing? Yeah, I started, or I started okay. writing in my head. Okay. Rare, it's, it's so weird. And this is why like, people have to remind me of stuff is I very rarely ever write anything down. And I think the one person that made me realize my creative, because I've never really broken down my creative process. The one person that made me realize how my creative process works is Brad Stutz. And me and him were talking one time and he said, you're a producer, Patrick, like you're a movie producer. So you see it, the, what you, the reason you're so good at what you do is because you can take an idea and you can turn it into a movie, like the perception of how, how it would be in a movie. And you're able to translate that to in a ring. So you can, so my biggest, the biggest asset that I have that I believe is I can visualize things happening before they happen. Yeah. Like, uh, like, he, most, like here, and I hope this isn't giving away too much. I remember when well, I mean had, this airs Tuesday, so like well, the show yeah. will well, already not, be not, over. No, not <laughs> just, just in the just in Hebron or our yeah. crowd. Is I, I feel like I have a good understanding of how our crowd thinks and, our, and their reactions, and if people do what they're supposed to do right, I can kind of think about how they're going to react to it. Yeah. So like, there's been numerous times here when it's some either somebody new or uh, somebody wrestling someone new coming in, and I'll say, listen, if you guys do this right, right after this happens. You need to to milk it, and the crowd's gonna be chanting both these guys, both yes. these guys, both these guys. And then whenever that fades down, you need to do this. And it's just like little pieces like that that I can already visualize how, like I'll just stop. Like you'll see me, I'll stop and I'll start looking, and I'm just seeing everything happen in my head. And I think that is that hurt helps and hurts. And but like the full creative process is I I have to see one. It could be the smallest thing. It could be the biggest thing. I just have to see one thing that triggers something in my brain. And then the and juices then, start flowing. Yeah, that that's what happened with Cedric. Is uh, Cedric got pissed off about something in a match, and he yelled and showed some kind of, like, I don't care type thing. And I was like, that's that's what we need to turn. And I had Mike, I had Jake, I had Caleb be like, he can't be a heel. He can't cut a promo. And little did they and know he's a better heel I than said, most of yeah, them. I was like, <laughs> Cedric, just go out there and like I, like make it look like you're beating the shit out of people. Make it look like you don't care. Make it look like you don't care for their well-being. And that that's what I take no credit for Cedric's success. That's what I take it, all the credit for Cedric's success. All of it. No, I'm just playing. I'm and playing. that that's what like start, that's what ignited the, that Cedric Alexander that we know today, his style, his thought process. The one beating up Drew McIntyre every yeah, week. Yeah, and then uh, same thing with Anthony Henry. Like, I remember when something clicked with Anthony that was almost similar to Cedric and me saying, I, I think I know where we can go to get what I need out of him and to make him realize his full potential. Yeah. And and it just took longer because it was it had to do with Amber – stepping out and mind manipulating them let her be like the asshole of the whole situation and her be the girl that gets the weak guy and uses them to manipulate them for her well-being or what he, she wants out of them. and that was probably one of my favorite pwx stories oh yeah was, was like so just fun. them with and especially when you threw in the the skyler into the mix mm-hmm. when that whole thing was just like it was like a and it's a, and a shit show of drama. And another thing, <laughs> another thing that I think that you have to have to be successful is you have to have an open ear to the talent or other people because 
I never, even though I might not agree with all the ideas that are presented to me, I, I'll never say I don't care. Oh, I, don't I care know, I say. know, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I don't, for, I don't, for those of y'all that don't know, I send Patrick like what, like at least once a month, like thirty ideas. Where I'm just like, here. What about <laughs> this? What about this? What about this? <laughs> I had a, I had a couple of beers. I got this idea. <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, but yeah. Oh, uh, do we have to wrap it up? They're telling us to wrap it up. Should I yeah. just put the mic down yeah, and leave? Is that is that ready? Is that how is that how we stop the interviews? Just like just. And that's it. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, at the Tommy was, Thomas on social media. Okay, sorry, at the Tommy Thomas on all social medias. All right. Now I'm just gonna drop the mic, Chris Rock style. Get off my podcast. Thank you Ow. guys. Thank you guys for listening. I'm leaving. Go. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday special podcast. Find all of our old episodes at TuesdaySpecials.com. It's TuesdaySpecial.com. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. All right. Thank you. Yeah.